time when uh, there's a whole lot of craziness going on around us, that every place we, we, we look, everywhere we look, every, every encounter that we have seems to be pulling on our negative emotions. Everyone, everything, every, every avenue in society seems to be pulling at the wrong side of us. But today, we say, you're worthy to be praised. We say you're worthy to be praised. In my life, I'm going to praise you. When I feel like fleshing out, I'm going to praise you. When I feel like fleshing out, I'm going to praise you. When I feel like walking away and throwing my hands up, I'm going to raise you with my hands up. Have your own way. Oh, God. You're worthy to be praised. You're worthy to be praised. Somebody's being healed. I give you glory. I give you glory. I give you glory. I give you glory. Can you just sing that? I give you glory. I give you glory. I give you glory. I give you glory. so good to us. Thank you for keeping our good mind. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving us of our sins, for cleansing us from unforgiveness. Oh, Lord. I ran into someone and Recently, just was able to see it, a picture right in front of me of what unforgiveness can do. Take away your beauty. Make your heart. Father, I thank you. Glory be to God. We take a moment to consecrate. This message will not help you unless you can consecrate your vessel. So, just 30 seconds. Lord, cleanse me. Wash me. Sanctify me. Purge me and prune me. Purge me and prune me. Oh, Lord. Purge me and prune me. Purge me and prune me. Purge me and prune me, Lord. I need, I've got to, I must get to the place 
of purified empowerment. Oh, Shabbatasa. Purified empowerment. I, and that's where I've got to get to. I need to be there, Lord. A place where you accept my behavior in this moment is righteous. And you empower me to do purpose. Father, I thank you for touching everyone here. For the hundreds on some viewing opportunities and even thousands on others that are watching us overseas, around the world. Father, you're fixing an economic challenge. Today, we will not go forward without putting before you the situation in Ukraine. They are brothers and sisters like us, Father. I watched on my feed last night as thousands of Ukrainian Christians were kneeling in the snow in the snow as it continued to fall saying God our enemy is bigger and more powerful than we can handle but like Hezekiah we say but I trust in you 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 make a way out of no way for the Ukrainian people Lord you perform miracles for Israel in the seven day war their enemies saw tanks that weren't there their enemies heard shots fired from people that weren't there. Their enemies saw troops and battalions of, of soldiers that weren't there because you intervened, God. And we actually intervened. Intervened, Father. Intervened. Intervened with America. Intervened with America. Intervened with America. Intervened with America. from his high horse and had him eating grass like an animal then you could do the same in Russia you can do the same in Russia you can confound and topple this arrogant aggressive to make him creep and eat grass. Do it, Lord. Do it. Do it. Do it. If you have to allow him to lose his good mind and be put in an asylum, do it, Lord. Because you will not be played with. And you hear 
hear the cry of your people in Ukraine. We thank you for the word that is going forward right now. We thank you that I am decreasing and you are ever increasing and that your word will penetrate the hearts of your people and touch them in a very deep way. Transform and change lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's people say, to be, uh, some time ago I preached on uh, pivot, pivoting, pivoting. Uh, the pivot is a very well-known basketball move uh, where, where the ref is looking for the individual to move both legs when the rule is you can go in any direction but you can only move one leg. The pivot leg has to be planted. And once planted, it cannot move until that series of play is over, until what you are doing is completed. You cannot put your foot to the plow, the basketball plow in that moment and pick it up. The point is taken away if a point is scored and, and uh, you, you lose something in the moment. As I mused over that word pivot, our subject today is called a pivot point. But as I mused over it, one of the things that I immediately started to, to just be happy about and excited about for my own life, and I hope that it will touch you in the same way, is that uh, during the course of a basketball game that... Uh, if you break the rule of pivot, that, that you get the point taken away, but, but you don't get tossed from the game. How many of you are excited that God did not toss you from the game when you picked up your, your, your pivot knee? You stopped praying like you should? You stopped pivoting in praise? You stopped pivoting in worship? You stop pivoting to thanksgiving. You stop pivoting to the word. You were turning in the opposite direction. How many of you are so excited that God did not look at you and just kick you out of the game? Get out of here. You can't be used no more. But instead, he may have taken you down a notch or two, but he still called you his son and his daughter. Hey, 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 hey. Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Mm -mm -mm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Had a fantastic time. That rush trip to uh, Milwaukee was very, very productive. Thank you, everyone, for praying, covering me. It was needed. I'm still going to catch up on some more sleep uh, later today. I completely forgot that... Uh, Milwaukee is uh, an hour ahead of us, 
so when I got there, hoping to uh, sleep for about five hours and get up at four, uh, four here is three there. <laughs> and uh, once I fun realized that, it affected everything else. Just kept going backward, but everything was done. We had a tremendous time with uh, all of the ministers that were there. Come, come back with some awesome impartation, things to do and put in place that will take us to the next level. Pivot point, pivot point. If you're holding the basketball and you're here, you don't know what that is. If you're holding the basketball under the net, Akeem Olajuwon, one of the NBA greats, was a master at the pivot. It is the only move he looks like he had, and he used it successfully because he would hold the ball and he would move his, that leg, move that leg around, and then occasionally, as he was moving the leg, he would give you the fake, as if he was going to the basket, and as you jumped, you would hit him and you would be fouled. But he built an entire career on the pivot and fake. He mastered it. And it doesn't matter how many times he did it, it still put the enemy, the, the player coming against him, in a precarious position because you don't know what he's going to do out of the pivot. You, you really don't have an idea. If you are not pivoting properly in the spirit, you are allowing the adversary to read your life. Some, somebody's going to get it. Somebody's going to get it later. If you, are not, if you are not pivoting properly in the spirit, if you, if you don't have a consistent pr prayer life, you will not, not be able to figure the adversary out. He will know what your move is a mile away. Every time I apply pressure in this area, she's going to fake out. Every time I, I, I push this button right here, uh, he, he's going to flesh out. There is no pivot to your life. There is no faking for the adversary, and, 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 and you can't keep him on his toes. Why? Because you have not learned the etiquette of spiritual pivoting. Every now and then we find ourselves in a moment in times we cannot escape. Places, issues, things that you just, you cannot run away from. You just got to face into it. You can't forget it. You can't sidestep it. You've got to deal with it. In the sports world, uh, they called it, if you remember Deion Sanders, called it prime time, meaning that all the training that you have taken, you've, you've done over the season or over the off season comes to bear in that one moment of prime time, that you don't have to be your best all the time, but there are times when nothing but your best, your best prayer your best uh, uh, spirit of humility, your best minute or five minutes of, of patience, your best attitude of quietness. Prime time is what sports folks call it. Others outside of sports call it the moment of truth. 
that everything else has come down to this. And the way you pivot in and around this right here is going to determine success or failure in your life. I can't tell you how many times I have pivoted wrong in my life. And that's why I jumped ahead and just started at the point of praise and worship because God did not kick me off the game, out of the game, off the field. When I mispivot, when I fouled with my life and the lives of others. That he paddled me, he corrected me, but did not kick me out of the game. I'm still here. I got purpose. Look at somebody and tell them, I'm still here. I got purpose. I'm still here and I've got purpose. It's that time when the game is on the line and every breath is held. We're poised either to celebrate the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat. We can go back not two Sundays ago and look at poor, the poor Bengals, who I just knew had the game locked up. But it slipped out of their fingers like sand in an hourglass. In World War II, they called it D-Day. The day that will mark the victory that will catapult us into complete annihilation of the adversary or the day that will be marked in infamy in our lives. D-Day. The battle that, would will, that will win the war. This brings us to a series of questions I believe we all need to ask ourselves. I don't know if you noticed it, but the last couple of Sundays, God has had me really digging into just having a conversation with everyone. Because as you are going into battle, I don't know if you, anyone has read uh, uh, Mrs. Wilco's books. Uh, Extreme Leadership is one of those books. It's where all of the Z and Y generation folks love uh, his books. But he talks about the fact that you, what, whatever you do in the extreme for you, it will allow others to do regular for themselves. That, that, that I want you here, consistent in church, being able to fellowship on Sundays, so I make no bones about getting myself ready, getting myself together, preparing, starting normally about Wednesday and adding over the weekend, and then coming here on, on Sunday morning at 5 or so and walking the sanctuary and walking around and just praying that God will give someone a breakthrough, that someone who is depressed and, and is going to wake up at 7 o'clock depressed that, that the Holy Spirit will work right now at five as I pray so that when you wake up at, at seven o'clock, instead of waking up depressed, you will wake up with, with joy, that, that you will wake up with energy. I, I, I do that. I've done it until it's become a habit. 
But it brings us to a series of questions that I believe each of us need to ask each other or ask ourselves. Why are you positioned where you are? Why do you work where you work? Why do you live where you live? Why do you go to school or church where you're going to school or church? I believe we do what we do because God has assigned us there. Where you are is not happenstance. It's not, it's not, it was not your decision making and your abilities that has caused you to be where you are, positive or negative. That if you are a Christ follower, you and I understand very clearly that if it, if it looks bad, it's because God's kind of trying to grow you. And that all you have to do is just trust God. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Don't lean on your own understanding. In every part of your life, acknowledge him, bring him in, bring him in, bring him in. Bring him in. Not to be a side wheel, not to be a, a, an associate, but to be the one who drives your life. And if you do that, he will make your path straight. When I think about what's happening in our culture right now, my eyes are, see a very dismal reality. Very dismal reality that Christians today are, are more, more uh, biblically illiterate than they've ever been. You know how I know that? It's simple because the facts of Christianity outweigh every other religion in the world. The physical facts of Christianity outweigh the merits of every other religion. We're not going to call names, but every other major religion that had representing them a prophet or a, 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 a person ended with the person's death and a document left that every parishioner has to believe in without verification. How could Islam grow? How could the Mormon church grow when what you are built on is information that you have to believe that the guy who got it got it right from God the first time. Nobody has verified it, and you have to trust it. Don't you get upset with the Muslim? Don't you get upset with a Mormon or a seven-day Adventist or anyone else because the truth is it takes more faith for them to believe what they're believing in than what you are believing in. When I see those people, I admire their faith level because we're begging the church of Christ to have faith in God. But like humanity in Israel before us in the Old Testament, we have just managed to spit on grace. That the more grace he gives us, the slacker we get. 
the more mercy he gives us, the more nonchalant we behave. And then we have the audacity to try commanding things into the atmosphere. If you are not committed as a Christ follower, it does not matter how much you try to command, what you end up doing is demanding. Let me tell you what the difference is. I've said it before and I'll say it again. People demand out of pain and emotion. Demands are made out of how I feel, out of what you did to me, of, how, of, of the pain you caused me. I'm demanding that you pay me back. It's the reason why so many Christians are ending litigations in court rather than coming to agreements with each other because they have moved away from the God-ordained position of commanding things in the atmosphere to, to demanding things from each other. I'm disgusted because I understand that the longer I live, Brother Tony, that my potential as a God Christ follower supersedes any other person or religion that runs near me. You are serving a Savior who over 700 years before he came was spoken about in the Old Testament, described with specific detail in Isaiah, in Daniel, in Jeremiah. What else does he have to do to prove he's the king of kings? 40 different writers over 1,500 years right pointing to him and nobody No, no one of them messed with each other's theology. They all agreed that this man is the son of God. What is happening to the church where we cannot be so passionate about the truth of Jesus Christ that you got to be running and peeping through the blind when, the, when the, 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 the Jehovah's Witness person knocks on your door. The facts of the Jesus we serve gives you the right to say, come on in. You want some iced tea? Make yourself comfortable because we're going to talk about Jesus. No other religion. We are the ones who said our Savior rose from the grave after three days. And unless you have questions about it, there were over 500 people, 300 of them in one place, that literally saw him and historically interacted with him. We've got the Dead Sea Scrolls appearing from hundreds and thousands of years before. No other religion has that kind of proof. So what is happening to Christianity? No wonder when the rich man died and went to heaven and he said, would you let me come back and tell my brother 
Just let me go back. Just, just, and God said, nope. If he don't hear what the prophets are saying, if he can't listen to what the pastors and evangelists are saying, if he can't read the proof in the Old Testament and see me working right now, he ain't going to believe when you go back. know why God let me go down that road. After the Babylonian Empire was captured, defeated and replaced by the Persians in 539 BC, the center government, central government for Jewish exile, those barred from returning home, uh, transferred to the Persians. They won that right. Persian king uh, Ahasuerus, Ahasuerus and his capital Susa is the setting for the story of Esther. Esther, I've talked about her before, losing both mom and dad before captivity and then coming into captivity with no parents and having to be at, at, at the bottom of the barrel taken in by her uncle, Mordecai, who at the time was in his 20s. Things have got to be really bad when the only person around that would look out for your well-being is somebody that's barely out of their teens. And yet, that happened with Esther. It was during this looming threat of total genocide for the Jews at that time because of the process of, of governmental change, one empire to the next, at which they were caught in the very middle, that we have the story of Esther, a pivot point in history that would push her to a pivot point in her own life. You cannot run away from the pivots. I said you cannot run away from the pivots. You can, you can buckle below them, beneath them, and you can take a loss. But how many of you know that losses aren't good for you? And some losses you can't avoid. You've just got to grow with them and through them. But there are other, I, I, am, I, am, I am convinced when I look back at my life, I took losses, Mom, that I should not have taken. I could deal with the losses that I'm supposed to go through. I could deal with the losses that, that God ordained to grow me up. I could deal with the losses that creates character in me. But, but, but the losses that God did not ordain, here's a loss right here. In, in the season when kings go out to war, David decides he's going to stay back. In the season, that's how it starts. When kings go out to war, that's how it's set. He stays back. You step out of the battle you were made for. When you step out of the battles you were made for, you're going to step into the fights you were not prepared for. Somebody better write that down. When you step out of the battles you were made for, 
You're going to step into the fight. That you weren't created for. Oh, no, that's not that you weren't prepared for. Prepared for. And I've seen too much of that in my life. And at hidden over the 50 mark, I've made a decision. Whatever I have to do to cut those unprepared interactions, I'm going to do it. There's no need for me to be getting into fights that God didn't ordain for me. There's no need for me to be fussing with stuff that God did not put in my way to grow me up. Why do I have to create more problems for myself? Why do I have to create more issues for my life when God has already dictated or ordained a specific set of, of events that will follow my life in order to get me to his purpose? Why do I have to stretch outside and pull in more bad fruit? I got three points that I want to share with you. And I'm going to refer to scripture. We're going to move along. I'm not going to keep you here long. Number one, God ordained Esther. God ordained that she, that her supposed ethnicity and her spirituality look like a disadvantage. You are working, you are interacting with people, environments, and if you allow your carnal mind to take over, the adversary will continually show you the lie that your ethnicity, whether you're black, white, or Chinese, if you're Chinese, he's going to put you in a place where Indians are that don't like Chinese. If you're white, He's going to put you in another position where, where these folks don't want, want to associate with you. If you're black, he's going to try and corner you. into, And you have got to have a, the mind of Christ every single time to understand, to understand that when the adversary supposedly has pushed you into a place where your, your ethnicity and your spirituality looks like a disadvantage, it needs to become your greatest advantage. The reason God ordained you for be, to be there is so that your ethnicity and your spirituality, if you got some, is supposed to be the catalyst that puts you ahead. Now you can, you can, you can mess with that ordination that God has set and you can start fussing like Israel when God took them through. To work. You're already heading to the promised land. He didn't say turn back. He didn't say I'm going to leave you. He still got the cloud in the, in the heavens guiding you. He still got the fire by night guiding you. So why? Tell me why would you start fussing that you don't have enough water? Why would you start fussing that you don't have the food that you think you need? And by the way, I just found out to some research that when God provided manna, the reason, one of the main reasons it was called what it is, is because whatever they felt like eating, 
That's what it tastes like. Isn't it like the devil? God does everything that he could do. You feel like eating chicken? You pick this up and bite into it, you bite in chicken. You feel like eating beef, filet mignon, today you pick it up and when you put it in your mouth, the miracle takes place in your mouth. Miss Linda, that wasn't enough. You know what they, you know what they started murmuring about? We want to see the miracle. We want the manna turn into chicken before I put it in my mouth. I want to see the manna turn into filet mignon be, before I bite it. Help us, Lord. Look at Esther chapter 2. I've changed things a little bit. I know. You guys don't have to. If you don't have it, don't worry about it. Esther chapter 2, verses 10. Verses 10. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Verses 10 said, Esther had not revealed her nationality and family background because Mordecai had forbidden her to do so. Watch it, watch it, guys, when you step into a situation and your flesh is constantly telling you to say, you must not know that black people got rights. You must not know that white people live here. You must not know that I'm Chinese and I own two restaurants. God is not going to step in to help you when you focus on your ethnic strength over your God cover. Her uncle said, you're a Jew, and the Persians know you as a slave. You're not supposed to even be where you are. Some of us, God put us someplace, and we ethnicize. There's a word like that for ethnicity. We ethnicize ourselves out of the blessing because all we want to talk about is the rights we're supposed to have. You got something more powerful. You got a God that's more powerful. You got promises that are more powerful. Why would you waste your time on trying to prove what color you are when your God says, I will supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory? When your God says, you have my name. I'm the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. If you trust me, you're going to end up on top. Verse 15 of chapter 2 says this. Her uncle says, we ain't going to tell nobody about your ethnicity. Keep it to yourself. Let God handle this. Jump down to verse 15. When the turn came for Esther, the young woman Mordecai had adopted, the daughter of his uncle Abihel, 
to go to the king, she asked for nothing other than Haggai, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of them, to suggest it, and Esther won the favor of everyone who saw her. What am I talking about? First, if you want God's favor, don't allow the pride of your ethnicity to ever loom bigger than your spirituality. If you want, if you want God's favor, if you want God's favor, I'm telling you, if you don't really care about God's favor, then you don't listen to what I'm saying. But if you are really caring about the favor of God in your life, I didn't say forget your ethnicity. Somebody's going to hear me and walk off saying, he said forget my ethnicity. How foolish can that be? You cannot forget you're white or black. You cannot forget you were Chinese. What I am saying is if you want to have God's favor in your life, you cannot allow pride, the pride of your ethnicity, to loom bigger than your spirituality. See, this stuff takes work. Folk, folk prefer to do that than to pray. Folk prefer to do that than to learn enough of the word that they can speak it into the atmosphere and activate stuff. Help us, Jesus. B, if you want God's favor, don't allow your outward attractiveness and adornment to loom bigger than your inner beauty and spirituality. If you want God's favor, don't allow your outer attractiveness and adornment. I'm sitting in the airport yesterday waiting and going. And I said the same thing both times. Did somebody not love you enough, young lady, to tell you your body type does not support that dress? Did somebody not care enough about you to tell you? Walking through the airport in full-blown pajamas with a bedroom slipper is not appropriate. Going to a business interview with a cover over a head full of curlers is not Appropriate. I don't care if you're pink, white, black, or yellow. Do not, and the funny thing is, the adversary has talked so many people. I'm talking, I've seen, I, I saw a, young, a white young man in dreads that had colored streaks. And I'm saying, you, go through, you have to go through too much to create dreads. And then you're going to color them. You don't need that. God can elevate you. God can make you proud of who you are without doing that. He'll love you. He's not going to kick you to the curb. But I'm just telling you, friend to friend, you ain't got to do all that.
If you want God's favor, don't allow your outer attractiveness and adornments to loom bigger than your inner beauty and your spirituality. I keep coming back to your spirituality. Number two, number two, we're at 12.06. If you can give me until four, four more minutes. Number two, God elevated her to be an interruption to evil. God elevated her to be an interruption to evil. Mom, most of the time when God elevates us into a place or position, we want to be the answer. We want to be the center of attraction. We want everybody around to say, is sister, uh, that girl right there? Oh, she's, oh, that, boy, that young man right there? Oh, man, that, that's the one who did it. And sometimes all God wants is for you to shine in the background. What is the difference if, if, the, if the, 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 the love and glory of God in your life permeates the office from the back up to the front? He's still getting the job done. He's changing the color to whatever color he wants. He's changing the atmosphere. You don't have to be standing in front. That's the four. That's the four. I know. I put the work in. That's all. I put the work in. I love to do it. That's the four verses 15 through 17. Look at this very quickly. Look at this very quickly. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, nights or day. And I will attend and, and my attendants will fast. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And even if I perish, I perish. She elevated, God elevated her to be a, this, an interruption to evil. Even at this point, even at this point, she did not clearly understand that she was the, the, the hook, the switch between life and death for hundreds of thousands of people. Mordecai got her focused on what she could do in her slice of purpose. And she said, okay, I'm going to do it, but y'all better pray for me. I ain't going to go down the road to that one because some of us, we can't accomplish purpose because we don't want no help. God places you in the lap of purpose, puts you on the street of purpose, and you think because you're in purpose, you don't need prayer. You think because this is your purpose, you don't need other people fasting for you. You think because this is what you're supposed to do for God, that you are not supposed to ask for help and ask people to cry out. Let me tell you, God sent an answer back one time, and it took 21 days to get back to the servant of God. It was already released. The last point. God predestined that she receive the blessing of preeminent promotion. God predestined. It was already 
on the calendar, the paperwork was already signed that if she could just humble herself and do what she's supposed to do, that he would put her in a place of preeminent promotion, or I call, or the other word I use is miraculous favor. Is there anyone here that can use some preeminent promotion and miraculous favor in their life? Is there anyone here that needs a, a, a dose of preeminent promotion and miraculous favor in their life? I don't know about you, but I need it. I need it every hour. I need it day by day. I need it from minute to minute. And I'm saying today, in the name of Jesus, if it here lifts the governor, we are going to press in for our release and our recovery. We cannot anymore allow the work that Jesus did for us in releasing us from iniquity to be wasted while we grumble, while we disobey, while we misbehave and take for granted the price that was paid. It is time for you and I to pivot. It is time for you, if you're listening to me online, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, you're hearing me, it is time for you to pivot. Do not, listen, the pivot is just an action of obedience. Do you know you can pivot into danger if God isn't directing you? Why is that? Because voices are talking all the time. If you do not practice the presence of God in your life, you will still hear voices, but they will be the wrong voices, and you're going to pivot and pivot into trouble. Father, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Pivot me, Lord. Pivot me. Pivot me in, into purpose. Go ahead and tell Pivot me into purpose. Pivot me into purpose. Pivot me into passion. Pivot me into passion. Pivot me. Pivot me. Pivot me. Pivot me into, into purpose. What you have ordained for me to do. Into purpose. Pivot me into purpose. Pivot me, oh God, with new passion. New passion. I don't want to be a grumbling saint. I don't want to do what I'm supposed to do grumbling onto my breath. There's no benefit to that. There's no blessing in that. But today I come, help me Lord to, to pivot into the passion of my purpose with joy in my heart Lord. I want joy as I pivot. I want joy as I pivot. I want joy. I want joy. Come on somebody. I want joy as I pivot. I want joy as I pivot. I want to pivot into what God has planned for me and I want to say hallelujah. I want to say, thank you, Jesus. I want to say, Lord, I bless you. I want to say, God, I praise you. Would you stand with me?
received her blessing. She received her blessing. I challenge you this morning, if you will, if you just, if you just become a consecrated worshiper, if you become a consecrated worshiper, put that as a staple, staple of your life, a consecrated worshiper. What does that mean? Lord, clean me before you use me. Clean me before you use me. I can't see all the spots in my life, but you can. They look like big old holes when you look at it. I see there's something tiny, but you see the mess that this could create. Clean me before you, you, you use me. Second, Purify me, Lord. Not just consecrate me as a vessel, but keep sifting until you get the very essence that you can use in my life. Purify me. I want my life to represent purified empowerment. Because as God purifies you, he empowers you. What do I mean? In your weakness... I'm made strong. As he purifies you, as the fire gets hot over here, and everybody is telling you, you must have done something wrong for all this to be happening to you. No, 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 no. He's making you stronger. He's making you stronger. So that you will you will go, you will go after consecrated worship. You will start traveling down the road to purified empowerment. Purified empowerment. Father, have your own way. Have your way. Have your way this morning. We're coming to you and we're saying, empty us. Come on, come on. Tell him, tell him. Just, just one more minute before we close. Lord, empty me. Wash me. Purify me. Purge me. Prune me. I need to be vessel that you can use. I can't live without it. Father, today, for everyone that is here, right now, you got something you need to repent of, go ahead and do that. You're listening to me online. You need to ask God to come into your life. I don't need to give you any special prayers. You just sit there where you are and you say, Lord, if you are real, take my sin away and come into my life. Take my sin away and come into my life. Take my sin away and come into my life. If you are a believer and you just need a refilling, say, Lord, I consecrate, I consecrate, I consecrate, I consecrate before you because I need, I need purified empowerment. I need purified empowerment. I need purified empowerment. And that is not coming unless I become a consecrated worshiper. So I consecrate. I consecrate, oh God. Father, today I thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for speaking. I believe that I delivered what thus said the Lord. And I'm asking that it will penetrate the hearts of every child of God here. That you will minister to your people they will take it, it will keep playing in their ear and their spirit until change is made. 
we give you glory and honor. Bless us as we leave this place. Cover us, O oh Lord. Cover us, O oh Lord. Cover us, O oh Lord. Bring us back safely. Power up on Wednesday. Bible study in. Power up on Monday. Bible study on Wednesday evening. And every other thing that we need to do. In Jesus' name. Hey, Assembly Thank family. you for joining we'll us for this service at the Assembly. To we to hope part that it blessed you and strengthened your walk with assembly. God. Our if you responded to the message, will you take just a few moments to fill out a response card in the chat so that we can celebrate Sunday, with you? And we are on if you would like to give Wednesday, to what God is doing we want to through the Assembly, you, to join you can do so join in three ways. First, you can give If you're on a desktop, click the Give Now button in the top right-hand corner. If you're on a smartphone, or a tablet, click on the plus button in the, the top right hand corner and then the Give Now experience. button. So if you're Both of those Give Now buttons will take you to our online giving platform where you can then the set up a one-time gift or a recurring gift and even designate the fund that you would like your giving to go to. You can also give by sending a text message to the phone number 833 with a message that says SC Assembly Give. It's all one word together. You'll then receive a text message with instructions on how to move forward. You can also mail check or money order written out to the Assembly to The Assembly 2925 West Palmetto Street, Florence, South Carolina 29501. Thank you and have a great week. Make sure you check us out for Power Up with Pastor Andrew on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 6 to 6.30 a.m. And times of refreshing at the assembly on Wednesday at 7 p.m. God bless, and we'll see you next time here at the assembly.